What day is it? Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 416. Yes, what day is it indeed? God, that, that would be a good title. <laughs> Only because you often don't know what day it is. Yes, and I I feel like that was all pre-COVID as well, but uh, it's definitely yes. went up a notch uh, since COVID has happened. Yeah, it just gives you a better excuse. Yeah, um, but no, we, uh, we're here to uh, bring some nerdy nuggets to your earbuds talked a bit about some movie dates being moved around yeah you and anthony really got into some oh yeah we just started talking anime. about anime at the beginning and i just yeah. hit record and yeah so we're, there's yeah. some of that uh some good animes out there to watch we did some legit comic book reviews this week and you know what i'm not even gonna say what they are because y'all should just listen to the podcast. Isn't that the whole point? There's no way you're turning it off after this intro. Oh, this amazing <laughs> intro. <laughs> that Anthony is being so quiet that he doesn't want to even talk up right now. I know. But he's on the show. <laughs> but yeah, then we uh, we got into a lot of things that are going on right now. And, uh, and then some. So sit back and... Grab a cold one and enjoy Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 416. We're back. Bitches. A.K.A. the Wizarding World of Tony Potter. (laughs) (laughs) He's a third level magician. I wish. (laughs) Wizard. (laughs) I made brownies last night. Reese's Pieces and peanut butter cups in them. Are you going to drop some off? No, they're mine. (laughs) Take that, Tony. (laughs) I'm hurt. (laughs) So, Anthony, uh, I just have to tell you how amazing Doro He Doro is. Doro He Doro? I went into it hearing lots of buzz about it. It is so... As I texted you, intriguing is the best word. Like, there's nothing bad about it. There's just so much mystery, so much chaos, so much what the fuck is going on in this world that it's, like, I went down a wiki rabbit hole and then realized, oh, I don't want to spoil some of this. Then finished the first season, then went down the rabbit hole, did spoil some things. But it's an amazing anime. Like yeah, so I, I use uh, my anime list. That's the website I'll go to. So you literally just, if you're like looking at an anime, just take the name of the anime and then add M-A-L in your Google search as well. It'll automatically just bring up the first record. And basically, if it's a seven and a half score or above, I'm pretty confident I'll like it. And this one had an 8.1. So I figured that it would, it would at the very least be very much worth the time um Uh, definitely at least once watch the opening credits and then they change the ending credits uh every couple and they're kind of funny to to watch but then it goes a quick recap of like three things and then it kind of goes but all that's like messed up in chaos and we'll find out next time on what like what really happens and that's like added to the part of 
what the hell am I watching? I don't understand. And then slowly but surely, they actually answer the questions in each episode that really help flesh out what the world is. But I can't wait till you text me after watching the first one being like, what? Um, I'm, I'm looking at it. And it looks like there is no season two in existence currently, but uh, it's likely that it will get a season two, but there's it hasn't even started production. What's so especially with COVID, it'll be even longer before they start producing on it. That's the thing with the, some of these animes coming to Netflix. It says 2020 Netflix, uh, like original. original. But yeah, <laughs> been out in Japan for ages. Uh, I will say this one at least was January 13th to March 30th. Um, oh, and year. but a lot, I would say a lot of things. So when I first saw um seven deadly sins mm-hmm. that was one where it's just like netflix original and i was like oh wow netflix is making anime and i was like oh wait no netflix just paid some money yeah. to a studio mm-hmm. to get permission to do it to put their yeah. name on it that's what they do with most things a lot of their netflix original movies are movies that theaters or studios were like we don't want to release this in theaters and netflix is like we'll buy it mm-hmm. we'll play it it's okay <laughs> Their uh, their top list. So if you now that you've finished that, uh, on my anime list, this is the highest ranking anime ever. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which totally agree with that, uh, has a nine point two three. Uh, Steins Gate, where if you haven't seen that, highly recommended. I think it is on Netflix. Um, it's a finished anime as well. It's twenty four episodes, um, so you don't have to worry about like you know, 30 cliffhangers of that will never get resolved. That's a 9.1. Uh, Gintama, I haven't seen that one yet. That's a 9.1. I think that's a shonen sword anime. Um, and then Hunter x Hunter, or it's just called Hunter Hunter, but there's an X in it. Um, 9.1 as well. The sad thing is, unless you're okay with a cliff, a never-ending cliffhanger... Don't watch it. So it's 148 episodes. It's a decent amount. It goes through multiple story arcs, but it's often called hiatus, hiatus instead of hunter, hunter, (laughs) because uh, the creator and author of the manga um, has been sick multiple, multiple times, like sick to the level he can't draw the manga anymore or do the story and so it'll just it's gone on hiatus for like eight months in a single like period it's like people are craving it because it's like he's written enough to show you what the next arc will be but then it's just permanently on hiatus since that and so it's like the ultimate blue balls of the manga (laughs) world so i think we talked before i've never i started getting into fairy tale and then just kind of gave up because that's like impossible to watch all those yeah and we've talked about it before i think but i have a very strong um opinion towards shows and this is not even just anime or anything specific uh it's more common in shows that where their children are the target audience you know anime a lot of times or i mean like berserk is a great anime because it doesn't fall into the tropes of being a kid's anime but things like uh, I defeated an enemy and I'm like, you just killed 20 people, but 
you need to pay penance, and then they turn into a good guy because of redemption. I mean, it's the same thing with we talk about Star Wars and Kylo Ren. It's like I'm tired of people getting the out of redemption at the end. Like that's not reality, and reality is this person needs to pay for what they did, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> and that never happens. And so yeah. again, anime blue balling me. It's just like, oh, we finally defeated this villain who's claimed hundreds or thousands of lives, and he's on the team now. And I'm like, what? You don't deserve this. <laughs> but that's fairy tale. I mean, they've got like, uh, by the end of the show and by the end of the manga series, uh, the show goes from having like 20 characters on the team, like the, or the the guild that they're in, uh, <clears throat> to eventually having like. 50-something characters by name that are good guys. Uh, and very, only a handful of them were actually just new good guys that were discovered. Almost all of them were former villains that became good guys because they're like, oh, I was led astray by this cult leader I didn't know. It's stupid stuff like that. Linz, tell us your uh, knowledge of anime. I don't have any. I used to watch Inuyasha on um, Adult Swim at night. I heard some Inuyasha news actually recently. Aren't they? They're coming out with a sequel, aren't they? I think so. About the daughter? His daughter, I guess? Uh, Supposed to be like a legacy sort of sequel? A sequel series centered around Inuyasha and Sishomaru's children. Ah, yep. I did hear that. Um, They're also bringing back Shaman King which is the same era of, of like, anime. Uh, that was something that I watched on Toonami, I think, back in high, middle school, high school days. It was Inuyasha was, like, the edgy one. It was on Adult Swim, and you're like, mm. it's too edgy for daytime children. <laughs> it's got demons in it. Um, but, yeah, Shaman King was one that I, I watched and really liked, and they're actually doing, like, a remake of it. Which could be very interesting because I think that was a. Uh, hopefully they'll use good a good anime studio and not one to just kind of bank only on nostalgia. But. Yeah, my seventeen year old child is currently binge watching One Piece, and I think it's probably going to take the rest of his life to get through them. They're like on nine hundred episodes. Yeah, it's crazy how they've been going for twenty years. I just I just looked it up. It started airing in nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> and they've been going for 20 years so he's been season 20 that. episode 107 is the latest one <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know if you're if you're in for the long haul i guess there's there's one for you <laughs> well to round out uh anime hour uh we could move on to uh some comic books we should add like a little like sound clip and be like Drunk on comics, anime hour, and then just throw a bunch of anime sound bites into it, like sword <laughs> chopping and stuff like that. Here's the thing: like I have uh, watched a lot of anime lately. I, oh, I guess we could do a whole podcast uh, on talking anime. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much out there that it could be diverse every single episode. But uh, you know, we love comics, and uh, it's it's been a little bit since I've. Uh, chatted with you guys about nerdage stuff. Yeah, somebody um, slept through our podcast <laughs> last week. 
Who? I won't mention any names. Who? Tony, <laughs> you sleep through that podcast? Outrageous, <laughs> man. Did you even join Anthony? I was there in spirit. <laughs> Anthony slept through it, too. I just forgot what day it was in this post-corona, well, not post, during, during the time of corona. I actually corona. think I was probably awake. I don't. I, I probably just like didn't even think about Sunday. It's hard remembering what days, even though I work. It's still hard. I'll like wake up and be like, "What day is it?" <laughs> I do that the exact same thing too, minus the work. It's uh, I don't, I don't have that problem. It's a struggle to know what time, what day, what month, what year. I mean, it feels like this is just limbo now. Except for we're slowly opening up. A little too fast than others, but that's all. That's all I'll say about that. Yep. <laughs> comics. Let's talk about some comics. Well, comics were slow. Not slow. Sweet. I felt like there wasn't as many as normally. Uh, it's still obviously. Um, I don't know. Everyone's catching up, and when they had to re-figure out what they're doing for their events and everything. It just it felt like there wasn't that many to pick from this week. Are yeah. they are they back? Do we know when they'll be back to full time regular shipping schedules? They're supposed to be now, but it just it looks like uh, especially for Marvel where they used to have a bajillion things coming out like every week. Mm-hmm. They look like they've kind of scaled that back, and some of those titles that were. And every other week or weekly, it seems to be, they're kind of pushing those out monthly now. And I'm assuming, yeah, we will get to a point where then we start getting the, I don't know, bi-monthly, twice-a-monthly type ones. But it doesn't seem like they're really trying to push as much as they have before. Fully knowing well that after a couple months, if people can't get their comics, they're probably going to be like, well, let's just start over now. And I'm wondering if we're going to see another, I don't want to say reboot, but you know how they always reset at number ones whenever they feel like sales are slow? Mm-hmm. So. We're going to get a bunch of number ones, you think? I think so. And I think that will probably happen a couple months from now where, again, then people will be like, oh, I can jump back on board even though nothing changed at all from. Right. Yeah, so. So you're trying to say you did not read anything, or what's going on here? (laughs) I read something, but I think it's a good segue into uh, news and notes, so I'm going to go third. Okay, well, I read. So I didn't read anything recent, and my plan over the next couple weeks is is to take what's going on in the world right now and kind of. become an advocate for uh, the black artists in the comic book community. So That's I think I over the next, <laughs> so I think over the next couple weeks, I'm going to dive into some of these books that people may have missed, but are really, really good. Um, and the one I read this week was Prince of Cats by Ronald Wimberly. Um, so this book originally came out a while ago and um it got the Firefly treatment when it was published, as in the publisher kind of took Ronald's story and and 
released it in whatever order they felt was more appropriate. Um, so recently, more recently, he released his version of how it should have been released through image in a graphic novel. Um, so this book is about Tybalt from Romeo and Juliet. So it's the Romeo and Juliet story from Tybalt's point of view. Uh, it takes place in early 80s New York in like the hip hop uh, underground new wave punk music scene so that's the style of the dress that everyone's wearing and even though it's written in Shakespearean language it's you have modern slang and stuff thrown into it as well so it's a nice little balance of of the original story plus the feel of the time and it's kind of mashed together with like a Kurosawa sort of uh, movie feel with lots of samurai sword play and stuff like that. Um, it's really good. Really, really good. And the thing I love most about this, and this isn't a spoiler because I hope that everyone by now knows the Romeo and Juliet story. Um, but because this is from Tybalt's point of view, like the book literally ends when Romeo kills him. So they have that battle after Tybalt kills Mercutio and Romeo comes to to take care of Tybalt and they have that epic battle in the streets and then it's just black the next pages are black that's just the end of the story which I thought was really cool because oh. I mean we all we all know how this story ends everyone knows how this story ends so it was really interesting take on it and and gave you uh like a different point of view from the whole thing um, adding it into the early 80s kind of uh, music scene was really interesting. The the way they battled in the streets and the way the kings or the, the parents of the family, the patriarchs, were at war was completely different. And it was just really good. Um, I don't know how they fucked it up when they originally released it, but this was definitely uh, worth taking a peek at. So I had to buy this from Amazon because I couldn't find it in my local comic book store. So if you guys want to pick it up, I'm sure it's available on Amazon still, or maybe you have a much cooler comic book store. In my, I didn't go to Vault of Midnight, so nobody think that I'm disinvault here. <laughs> <But> <laughs> they might have it too. I mean, I already, I already have it. I'm already angry, but go on. <laughs> so they, um, but it, it's definitely worth a check out. It's, beautifully colored it's beautifully drawn the story because you know it you can kind of pay more attention to the art a little bit because uh, you kind of know what's going on already you have a, a background in in what what's going to happen so really good definitely something worth checking out cool anthony do you have anything i do uh I just basically went through, like, review stuff, and I was like, hmm, I'm going to randomly pick a comic and then read it. Find something that says number one, and then <laughs> just <go> through that. <laughs> um, so I ended up going with Wind, with his, uh... oh, I got an echo. Yeah, damn it, Tony. <laughs> Tony, you're going to give me an echo. I can hear myself. How? That's delayed, which makes it even better. Oh, this is going to piss off. Do you only again. hear me once? Yeah. It's all recording, coming over in this No, I fine. hear you twice. But Tony only hears once. All right. 
Lindsay, you're just going to have to work through it. I'm going to do... It's like when you have those headphones that immediately speak back to you. So I'll Tony, try to, mute yourself. I'll try to use big words. But if I uh, mute myself, then you guys can't hear me. That's well, just fine. for now. Let me just do the review while you're muted. Oh, whew, okay. I can speak words. <laughs> it was so like, weird. My brain was on fire. Uh, I did a whole podcast with him like that. It was torture. Oh. That's terrible. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so I did uh, Wind. It's W-Y-N-D. It's from Boom. Um, looks kind of cute. It's got a kid jumping through the air with like kind of like a magic wizard cape thing. Uh, I was like, all right, well, what's this about? Um, so a cool comic, cool concept. Uh, immediately grabs your attention. Uh, it kind of does the thing happens in the beginning and then it goes to how did we get up to this point um so the, not to spoil too much but the first page uh starts out he's basically the kid the main character is looks like he's having a nightmare and all of a sudden his eyes open up and he begins this transformation kind of like werewolf style um but he actually ends up turning into uh this uh like bird raven uh, creature, I would say, kind of reminiscent of, I think it's the Manticore, might be the beast, but um, it's like, yeah, it's like the big beak, golden eyes, and like his mom walks in because she hears the noise of his transformations, like, what's going on? And then um, right after that, like, he kind of is like trying to reach out to her, and she takes out this giant wrench and slaps him in the face. And then that's that's the beginning. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so just, I mean, this one's mostly kind of exposition, uh, explaining the character, kind of doing some world introduction. Um, uh, demonstrates that his mom is a uh, engineer, uh, which explains why she has a big wrench, and uh, he doesn't really want to be an engineer like her. Um, you know, he wants to you know he shows some interest in he works like a, like a restaurant like a diner type thing so he shows that he likes working there and stuff and kind of has an appearance of almost like the lazy kid it looks like where he just kind of likes to sleep in and do what he wants um likes to sit atop the roof so there's like a not a whole lot of action outside of it um kind, they kind of introduce a villainous character a little bit um the dialogue's cute the world they're doing is cute um up until there's an instance where uh, they are, you, you look at this gardener who's taking care of like a vegetable garden or something like that, and uh, he opens up, he pulls a bush open, and there's this like little uh, flower thing, and it has like the like the big puppy dog eyes, and it's super cute, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's adorable, and he's like, don't you know, don't let it touch you it has an innocent nature but should it take hold of you it'll twist your blood running through your veins and so he takes out snippers and then cuts it and kills it and you're like no he's like stabbing it with the the uh shears and everything it's just like oh my gosh this is terrible um but so there's obviously some uh or thoughts against magic uh within this Uh, really cool universe so far i'm looking I, i think i'll definitely put this on the list to keep track of um kind of a medieval slash modern i mean they have engineers so they have 
sewers and all kinds of stuff, but they still have kings and royalty, and they've got, like, guards standing there with, like, shields and spears and stuff, so it's a, somewhat of a mixture. Um, the The main character uh, doesn't seem to actually be shown a whole lot. You know, I'm curious to see how they'll reintroduce him. You know, that's this kid, he, he's about, I don't know, about two-thirds of it has him in there, but then the last third is just, like, uh, this, like, completely separate set of characters. So I think they're going to do kind of a introduce this set of characters, introduce a separate set of characters, and then see how they collide. Maybe they'll team up. Who knows? But yeah, it was cute. I mean, if it's like a standard adventure fair. I mean, if you feel like, uh, I would say it's nothing groundbreaking, but um, I like clever ideas. So the idea of a kid transforming into some weird bird thing seems clever enough. I really like the. So I'm looking at it right now. First of all, this is written by James Tinian the fourth. Who the fourth? Yes. I, the fourth, and he's always good. He's always, you know, you're getting a good story when you see that he's on something. I really like the way they did the art in this because it is super kind of like cartoony and cutesy, but the the way they handled perspective is really cool because they did heavy lines the closer something is to you and the further away it got the less outlined things are so even like you know it was really heavy black outlines in the front and then and then kind of moderate outlining in the middle and then all the way in the back there's just like no outline whatsoever so Mm -hmm. i actually don't know how often i've seen that used in a comic book so it was pretty cool looking it is that flower is super cute I could <laughs> until it dies. <laughs> until it dies. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then it's horrifying looking. They did a real good job putting like a a look of fucking despair on that dying flower's face. <laughs> uh, and I mean that that too ties into like kind of the art. I mean they they give it like a uh like the skin of the flower itself or like the petals or the fruit or whatever this thing is. Um it, it's like dirty and roughed up and um you know it it, it adds a level of brutality to it that this thing's like so adorable and this guy's just like stabbing it over and over and over right you're like oh god Uh, i do like the art style uh like you're saying of kind of drawing that makes me think of the first time that i watched or saw in theaters uh avatar and 3d where it was like the first time I'd seen it truly used to where perspective draws you to specific elements of the shot, where, like, the characters were in 3D, they were in focus, everything else was not in focus and actually felt like it was far away. Yep. Yeah. It was good. It was good. The the colors in it are nice, too. Awesome. Unmute yourself now. Okay. For now. Well, I wasn't muted muted at all then. I just wasn't talking. Oh, we we fixed you fixed the problem. Yes, I did that because I'm that smart. <laughs> the problem fixed itself, and you're gonna take credit <laughs> yes, for yes, it. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was so weird. Well, I'm, gl- like anyway. I said, I'm glad it fixed itself because yeah, it didn't have to do anything. Uh, so I want to quick talk about excellence number seven. Now, this book uh, coming out at the at this time is perfect, and it just so happened to be that six months ago is when issue number six came out. 
Um, the creator and writer, uh, Brandon Thomas, had said at the point that he was taking a six-month kind of small break uh, on the, the book to then get into the next uh, arc. And so it coming out now with uh, what's going on in the world, uh, perfect timing. And it was already planned that way. Um, so we have our, uh, for anyone that might not have uh, been here for the other reviews of this book, it's like kind of Harry Potter, um, but um, pretty much uh, centered on minorities who are these families that have magic powers and the rules of this world, such as, you know, having someone's wand and uh, can't use, you know, someone else's wand without, you know, permission and all that. Uh, like I said, makes you have that feel of Harry Potter, but it being in, uh, you know, kind of the downtown uh, Manhattan style. Uh, this starts off with a, a map of uh, Manhattan, so it kind of gives you some sense of scope of where the key things are going on. And in what happened in the last book, uh, Spencer Dales, our main character, uh, kind of just broke out from the wizarding prison uh in a sense and he's now um on his mission to take down the i don't know how you pronounce this the aegis a-e-g-i-s is that how you guys aegis aegis but uh aegis yes aegis and so what i really liked about this is he had uh this kind of has a couple different stories going at once because he splits himself um, into uh, what looked like three, so there's like four of them going off, doing some tasks, taking care of some business before he's uh, going to uh, go ahead and, and take down the, the leading faction. And so you see his others kind of going about, and you don't know which one's the prime until he starts getting uh, attacked by one of the other wizards. And then you start seeing, you know, all these other ones like going like, wait, you know, like, Almost as if they're not done with everything that they were set off to go do. And then there's the wizarding battle. And I wish I could show you guys some of these uh, stills of this uh, this issue. Because, like I said, the artwork in this, I think, is just incredible. Uh, showing, it's just very colorful. Uh, and with the, I don't know, all the action scenes and everything, it's very dialogue heavy which is also amazing and it once again leaves off on a note of it looks like the I mean I want to say back the antagonists uh, have a lot more power and and he is you know way out of his uh, depth here on taking on uh, the bad guys but all in all, uh, again, I'm glad to get back into this world. I was uh, looking forward to... Brandon has, uh, at the end of most of these books, I want to say all of them so far, uh, talked a bit about his work and his thought process in making, and that's what I enjoy a lot while reading comic books. And that didn't happen on this one. There was more of uh, letters to the editor, which I still read those. You know, it's a lot of people praising, asking questions, thinking where it's going to go. But I was kind of looking forward to uh, getting a take from 
from the creator of what the world is in here as well as what the world is going on like now. Right. Do you think, do you think that he'll be able, does he seem like the type of writer who's going to take the experience of what's going on in the world now and, and hopefully translate that into his books in the future? No, but no, I, again, I don't know. We're in weird times now when lots of things are happening that never thought would happen. Uh, yeah, I, I could see him for sure doing that, but I could also see him saying, this is a world I created and I'm kind of sticking to this world right now where they don't want to jump into too many politics stuff. They're going to be doing their wizarding kind of thing. Well, the whole point of this group of wizards is they're supposed to make other people's lives better, right? Yep. And not themselves. Yeah. So their their whole thing is like boosting the, their community. Mm-hmm. Maybe even at the expense of their own lives. Yes. This is a, a poignant statement to make. And I know uh, you had some notes that we were going to talk about from last week about uh, certain authors and creators and everything. So now would be a perfect time. Yeah, to... I, I have a whole list. So I didn't know if we wanted to, like, go through these all at once or I could go over... Because I plan on, on some of these I've read and some of these I haven't. And um, I don't know if we would just want to go through them all at once or kind of just go through them one at a time every week to kind of get into them a little bit more. Um, Prince of Cats was one of them that was on my list that I bought and read. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess if you guys want, I can go through it. But if not, I can kind of make this something we do every week yeah we could uh stretch it out a bit go through a a couple that you have and um we can pile on there's obviously uh tons of lists out there people um talking about black creators and uh those in the comic book industry and it's it's good that we are I guess recognizing them, but we, they sh- we should have been recognizing them anyways, or really not even needing to, because there would be no need to recognize um, right diversity, because diversity should just be a normal thing. Correct, and we and we've had this discussion before, because not that long ago there was you know comic skate was going on, and there was a big push from a group of people to um, lessen the recognition of diverse creators because for some fucked up reason. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know what the motivations behind some of these people are, but in a, in an industry that has primarily been full of white men, I think it is important to, uh, trumpet, a diverse, you know, creators and, and artists and everything in this industry. And they bring, so just such, I mean, guys, let's not, Let's not pretend like like white men aren't the most boring people on the planet. <laughs> Listen, I know this. That's why we have you on this podcast to make it better. White guys have brought in plenty of Pocahontas remake stories. <laughs> I mean, we need more voices just because, like, how many different stories do these people have to tell? <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, I, I think 
one of the pieces with creativity. I mean, when you look at comedians or artists, uh, um, authors, anything in form where you're having this element of creativity, these people are using their life stories mm-hmm. and experiences to develop those things. So you're going to, you know, the idea of a white author creating like a black superhero or something like that. It's like, oh, it's, you know, even if it's like, oh, I grew up in a neighborhood, it's like you were observing people living in a black neighborhood. And so, you know, it it wasn't, it makes me think of like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like there was so much creative influence coming from the black uh, members of the staff for that show, mm-hmm. you know, Will Smith and like all the characters and stuff, and they were affecting the stories. And so that's why you end up with those stories being beloved because they were accurate and they showed that someone know. I mean, that's the same thing you see in anything. When someone s- starts to, let's say you adapt a movie from a comic, you know if the person read the comic. I mean, we talked right. about The Witch. We you know <clears throat> if the creative team who created The Witcher played it and read the books because you see elements of that. So you're just not going to get a great representation, even with the best of intent, even with the experiences because you're not that person. So, um, plus even without the, you know, even in the fiction world, if you're not basing a bunch on reality, you know, it's like, Oh, this is just like what's going on in real life. Even if it's completely fiction and it's fantasy or something like that, if you just keep sticking with white dudes, we're all going to have the same stories being told. We're going to run out of stories. Right. Right. I agree. I mean, let's, let's look at Luke Cage for a sec. Right. So he was created in a time when there was like almost no diversity in comics. And I, I'm not a hundred percent certain, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I, okay. I am a hundred percent certain that this character was created by a white dude. Right. With the best of intentions, right, to add diversity to a an arena that didn't have any. Um, however, when Luke Cage, the TV show, the Netflix show was created, that was done with the full intention and support of the black community. And it is one of the most amazing TV shows, at least the first season, that I've <laughs> that I've ever watched in my entire life because it was so intentional and it was so focused on on the community that it represented represented yeah double rep double intense representative (laughs) but it was it was just so meaningful and so good um and and i think while there are talented people out there who can represent characters that aren't them who aren't themselves like men can write good female characters you know people of color can write good white characters and all that stuff i think there is something to be said about um you know pushing pushing artists who can better represent a community forward so which is why i read prince of cats and i was like i fucking love this book it was so good um another one that's really good that i think people should pick up is black and it's from uh, Black Mask Comics. And it's this whole comic book series about how it comes out that in our world, black people have superpowers. 
like only black people have superpowers and it comes out when this young man is uh brutalized by the police his powers just manifest and come out of him like kind of in like an x-men sort of thing you know under, oh. under high stress sort of thing and it and it comes to light that this community has superpowers and they do a very good job of like showing how so white people in comic books have had superpowers for forever and there's never been a huge pushback on those people i mean they try to show like the we're against vigilante justice sort of thing and and stuff like that but in this book they they definitely there's more there's more animosity from the general public against people who have superpowers because there's a racial element and yeah yep Yep. So, uh, it's, it's really good. Definitely check it out. If you guys go to black mass comics and buy it directly from them, they're actually donating all of the proceeds for these books to bail funds right now. Oh, um, so now's the time. If you're waiting, now's the time to do it. It is very well. Protesters, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, Really, really good stuff. I have a whole list of things. We can go over more of them later, but it's, they're just some, they're just, these books are just so good. Like, and stuff we would talk about otherwise. You guys know I love Black Mask comics. All the shit that comes out of there is usually really good, weird, awesome stuff. And they're, they're very focused as a company on diversity in their artists. So, well, I think I found myself enjoying. Um, you know, everyone says it's like I just love a unique story, and yep. it's like yeah, you know, yes, I love a unique story, but a lot of the times when you I'm watching like quote unquote unique stories, it's a story that is being retold a different way. It's like mm-hmm. this isn't a new story. Yes, it's clever how you're talking about superheroes, um, you know, in one way or another. It's like yeah, but this is just like alternate Batman. You know, mm-hmm. it's alternate Superman. It's not new. It's not creative. So I'm always intrigued by, um, you know, people who aren't following tropes. I mean, there's just so many tropes in media and stories and characters you can fall into. So the idea of, like, now that we're able to see more diversity, the it'll be easier to not fall into those tropes because right. these things are perfectly unique. Yep. Yeah. Tony, you got anything to add to this conversation? <laughs> Tony's like, I agree with everything said here. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with everything said. That's very wise of you, Tony. Yeah, it is. Anthony and I are very smart people. <laughs> There's no one disagreeing or agreeing with that. Uh, abstains. All, all in favor. <laughs> So, uh, another big thing that's going on in the comic book world uh, is DC leaving Diamond. And we've touched on this for a while, but now that it's actually coming to fruition, uh, there's a lot of people that aren't too happy. I mean, Marvel uh, has already had a great deal with Diamond from everything that I've been finding out about uh, this which is partly, I mean, DC is getting now a better deal going through their uh, Lunar uh, and UCS comic uh, distributors now. 
will Marvel leave to find their own? Will they renegotiate? I mean, I don't. They can't really do much more. They got the best deal there is, and so is Diamond going to be kind of more of a Marvel and everything else? Are people going to jump on to Lunar and um, USC for everything? And recently, uh, Image Comics has come out by saying that this is just total bullshit. Like they're 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 pissed off because DC now has up uh, healed the landscape of what is going on with distributing, and I can see why they'd be pissed because Image is a bit different than most of those other publishers where they have tons of mini uh, I don't know you'd say companies but. You know, each creator has their own imprint that all goes through Image. So, um, to do this, last year, DC had, with Diamond, put into their contract that they're allowed to get out uh, of it with no penalty, with giving a 60 days notice. And when this pandemic happened, that's when DC goes, all right, we're going to enable that clause and do our own thing now. So... It's going to be interesting, um, and again, if I, for one, do not like there being monopolies, and Diamond has definitely been a monopoly, and I don't think that it's needed. However, we don't need a Wild Wild West where there's like every single publisher distributing everything, because they're not going to be able to, that's pretty much going to charge them more for shipping an extra um, getting that not inventory but operations to ship to all the stores I'm thinking more delays and less comics coming out but ultimately that final price tag for you and me so I mean Marvel left Diamond before right this is not I mean they were distributed by now, it might have been a little bit different because they were trying to do their own distribution through a distribution company they acquired called Heroes World. Um, so it might be a little bit of a different situation. But essentially, when they did that, they killed all the other distributors, and Diamond was the only one left. Mm-hmm. So through the actions of Marvel is why Diamond kind of ended up taking over the whole thing by themselves. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if DC can make this work because it's hard. I would imagine. I mean, there's so many books that come out every week from all these different publishers now, which is great that we have more than just Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how crazy these comic book stores now have to order from like different, all kinds of different. If it gets, you know, if it goes the way it's going, they're going to have to order books from all kinds of different distributors and. For bigger comic book shops, that might be super easy, but for these little mom and pop stores, like spending all that extra time looking and putting in orders and stuff, just sounds like a giant pain in the ass. I think that's what you know. I've seen this in the business world. I mean, many places. I mean, you can look at like Amazon and the role it plays now in the shipping industry of like moving product i mean if you you set up a store before you would have a store and then someone would buy something from it 
and you'd have a relationship with UPS or FedEx or, you know, someone specific and you'd be printing ship, shipping labels and their their trucks would come by your place. And so you have that relationship with UPS as your distributor at that point. And then you get Amazon. It's like, oh, I can have Amazon be my warehouser and my ordering service and my distributor. And all I have to do is give Amazon pictures of the product and then ship Amazon my product, you know, so that they have in their warehouses. That opens it up. I think you'll see that a lot in this case. And I do agree that I think the idea of variety in distributors uh, helps to create, uh, you know, good opportunities, especially for, you know, it's kind of a, you, you talk about the struggles for the, the comic shops that will, you know, they have, instead of placing, uh, going into one order system and checking out almost, you know, all here's all the books that I want from all these different publishers. Now they have to go to five different distribution sites and do that same process so many times. At the same time, on the other end, you're going to have the opportunity where uh, more publishers could potentially get a bigger foothold in the game because now they're not all reliant on uh, one, you know, big gorilla in the industry taking control of distribution. So I definitely see some good and bad in it. I think that in this case, I, I much more prefer it happening. Um, but I also think you're going to end up either Diamond's going to make a shift, which based on history, I don't think they have very good ability to shift according to the industry. They'd rather use their weight to force the industry back into line. But either you see them shift or you see other companies popping up and it's like, hey, we're not the distributor, but we'll make it easy to order from all the distributors. And so now you have another middleman uh, style where it's just kind of the same thing, but it's just a little bit different, and you just don't have that same distributor. Um, I did find a funny tweet uh, uh, in some news articles I was looking at, and this article was written uh, June 11th, so what's today, 14th, so three days ago, and they are actually saying that um, they confirmed that in 2018, uh, which is not that long ago, they were uh, Diamond was actually hiring somebody who had Windows 95 experience as a customer service representative, <laughs> and they could that the uh, author of the article actually did confirm that they were using uh, Windows 95 oh uh, on their customer service machines. And oh. for those who didn't know. Uh, while Windows 95 did come out in 1995, as its name, uh, support ended in 2003. So, <laughs> if you're, you know, I don't even know that I could get Windows 95 to run on my computer if I wanted to. My child uses Windows 95 as an insult, as in, he looks like he still uses Windows 95. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the major you know it's it makes me think of like how we talk about oh yeah the nuclear launch sites yeah they're using you know four and a half inch floppies right to enter the launch codes and i'm just like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out <sighs> who knows um so something anthony you might be interested in as well as other D&D players out there. Uh, there is a website called the uh, Dungeon Masters Guild. Um, 
type in DMs Guild uh, on your web browser there. And it is a third-party uh, selling place for materials for playing Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, okay. A lot of this stuff is not, you know, from Wizards of the Coast and everything, but it all supplements, works in, campaigns and spells and homebrew uh, play-tested uh, items. And they are doing... Uh, some bundles right now for cheap uh, to raise money for Black Lives Matter charities um, and pretty much uh, these bundles for charity bundles and black creator spotlights uh, supporting racial justice and I'd want to throw that out there for people to uh, definitely go check out this week wow these are really good bundles <laughs> uh, I'm looking at it right now it says the Black Lives Matter bundle, uh, regularly the stuff you get in it is $169.63, and you can get it for $9.99. Wow. So it's quite, it looks like uh, it's a lot of – there's like subclasses, um, creature non-combat creature encounters. Let's see what we also got. Uh, some stories. There's the cottage on the long road. Um well, there's like yeah, quite a lot in here. There's magical items, so somebody put together a bunch of five E suitable magical items to give your players. I might actually buy some of these things. That's a pretty good deal. Yep. Uh, and some other D and D news. Um, some of the not main characters of Game of Thrones, but secondary characters. I mean, I'd say. Um, Ewan uh, Rion is pretty good. He played Ramsey Snow. Um, but other likes of Yara and Hodar um, are going to be doing a virtual uh, D&D uh, playthrough. Um, raising money for the Red Nose event. It should be airing uh, June 20th. Um, the Red Nose Day is a charity that they started a, a while ago. Um with comedians and everyone doing skits uh, throughout the day, and this is going to be one of the many things in there. I saw last year, I think it was, or two years ago, uh, Stephen Colbert did it for Red Nose Day, where he did a playthrough. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting with just a one person, because it was kind of more of a back-and-forth kind of improv in the nerd world, because how do you really play D&D with just one player character but as i know that you uh watch uh a critical role and everything this might be something as well to check out yeah for sure um star wars. i have something well we can get to you next oh go ahead you already started go ahead uh anthony have you and i feel bad that i'm leaving Liz out of all these conversations but i know she doesn't play D and Maybe you might know of this one. Have you ever heard of, uh, from a certain point of view, Star Wars? I haven't. Okay, so, um, there was, with Disney acquiring, uh, Star Wars and everything, there's certain things that have been not canon, and then canon, or then other product mm -hmm. projects that kind of come about, and there was, uh, uh, book and everything that was Star Wars from a certain point of view uh, that came out that were small stories 
of secondary characters during the first Star Wars movie. And okay. that book's already out. So what we're getting uh, shortly is um, from the certain point of view that's going to be the Empire Strikes Back. So this could be Stormtrooper number 47, you know, and this scene. Uh, and they're going to be 40 stories um, from 40 different authors um, reimagining kind of from a certain point of view what uh, what might have happened. Maybe they say that's what you saw in the movie it was all propaganda and what really happened was this or that um i know the first one um jay has read it uh, our star wars nerd and said it was very interesting some of the things that come about it it reveals just more of this universe there's another star wars book coming out too uh called traveler's guide to batu yes um, and in this book, they have put a, I guess, first time ever galaxy map. So Star Wars fans have surmised the entire age of the franchise, where all these planets were located in relation to each other, and where the center of the Star Wars universe was, and this galaxy map just lays it all out for them something we all can kind of turn to and say oh that's where that planet is which i find very interesting that this is not something that has been done yeah. before um interesting but it's a pretty cool looking map uh you know it's not overly complicated it's a space map so it's not like topographical or anything like that no um that's still really useful especially you know with disney basically breaking saying all the all this other canon is out the window it's not useful anymore um it's still very useful because it helps establish like a point where any new writer comes in uh is able to introduce a story that fits you know and you're not going to get like this seems kind of weird how you know how are they here and then they get here you know those kind of explanations a lot of Star Wars fans are very particular about finding those kinds of details. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I mean, I think that's the one thing that the Star Wars company did. Uh, not particularly Lucas, but there was like the, I don't even know what they're called, but like the tribunal of authors of where if you wanted to write a Star Wars book and have it be an official canon, you had to present your story with all its details, its world building, things like that. If you wanted to introduce a new planet or anything like that, you had to go to this committee who was in ch of authors who were in charge of uh, determining what could be canon and what not to make sure that everybody is, you know, we're all following the same rules. If you kill off a character, you know, you kill Chewbacca, it's like, okay, that's fine, but no one else can make use Chewbacca again after this point in timeline. So all the dates and stuff like that. So this is definitely really useful for stories going forward yup <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's cool it would it's the type of thing i'm surprised it's not already out on like a poster you know to me that's i could see this up on nerd walls everywhere um i think so i think so i mean you know people have maps of of Middle Earth up in their houses and stuff like that. Why not 
the galaxy of Star Wars. <laughs> um, so back to fundraising kind of for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so one of the things that has kind of come up not not necessarily recently, but a little more so recently was the is the use of the Punisher logo on right, yep. cop oh, uniforms. On police uniforms, yeah. Yep. And um I posted something on our on our Facebook couple last week, week before, um, that kind of talked about Marvel's response to that and they did a whole Punisher book where uh two cops go to arrest the Punisher because, you know, he's a vigilante. And then they're like, oh, no, just kidding. And they do selfies with him and they show him, like, they have, like, a decal on their squad car of mm-hmm. of his logo. And he rips it off the car and he, he tears it up. And he's like, you guys shouldn't want to be like me. You're supposed to be better than me. Yeah, sort of I mean, thing. that's his whole thing is he's, you know, he's consuming the evil. You know, he's right. like, I'm, I'm going to lo- debase myself and my reputation but you need to be, you need to be better. <laughs> right. Thanks for that crotch shot, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, so Jerry Conway, who is the creator of The Punisher, has um, started this fundraiser in conjunction with um, black artists. And they've made T-shirts that feature the Punisher logo and they say Black Lives Matter. And they're selling them um, online right now. If you go to customink.com, um, there's a Black Lives Matter. Skulls for Justice is the name of the fundraiser. Um, and 100% of the fun- money goes to Black Lives Matter. And some of these shirts, one of them has raised $36,000 already. Oh, wow. So um, they keep introducing new shirts every week. What was- what was the website for it? Uh, it's customink.com okay. slash fundraising, fundraising slash Black Lives Matter. I, I'm sure if you just look for Skulls for Justice on the Custom Ink website, um, it looks like they have a whole fundraising tab that you can click on on there. Um, so, it you know, he, Jerry Conway has come out and said that uh, the symbols associated with the character he co-created have been co-opted by forces of oppression to intimidate black Americans. So this is kind of his way to combat that usage. And I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's an amazing campaign to get behind. Uh, and these wow, t-shirts this is are really interesting cool. too. There's some really cool t-shirts like the, there's the say her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got like a skull uh, and With it's flowers. got, Yep, flowers yeah. in it, and it looks like the skull is actually, it's got some of the, uh... Oh, they're like the trans flag colors. Yes, that was it. Yeah. I was like, yep. pink, blue, I can't remember. Yep. So, which as, you know, along with the Black Lives Matter movement, there's been, right next to it has been um, LGBT black people who are exceptionally targeted right. uh, by uh, hate crimes, so... So super cool. Definitely check it out. These t-shirts are awesome. They're not, I mean, they're like $19. So they're, they're not crazy expensive. You know, you can get one, you can get a couple. Um, it's for a good cause. Uh, and again, they're, they're pretty, pretty cool looking. So cool. Um, Mark Miller, everybody knows Mark Miller, right? <laughs> 
famous writer in the comic book community. He is offering a writing masterclass right now um, that you can bid on the for the pro the proceeds go. It's a it's a fundraiser for Scotland for a newspaper called The Big Issues um, or a magazine called The Big Issues. I think is a is a magazine that is meant to help uh, the homeless in Scotland. So he's doing a fundraiser right now where you can basically bid on doing a writing master class with Mark Miller. So, you know, if you want to learn from the best, (laughs) now's the the time. You want to spend a little cash. I can't imagine that that's going to go for uh, a cheap amount of money. So I'll give 40 bucks. Right. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if any of our listeners are, and it's a raffle, so it could be that, you know, you buy a ticket for a set amount of price and it's just a random winner. Um, But again, if you were, if you're looking to, to get into that gig, I don't know that there's a better person to learn from than, than Mark Miller. So uh, definitely check that out. So much going on. There is. Well, Movies are going to maybe start reopening uh, soon. I mean, there's still flux with when things are going to be released. And uh, we did uh, originally think that uh, Tenant would be coming out sooner than later. But that moved two weeks later. Uh, Without getting too much into it all, uh, they opened up theaters and everything in China. And now they are getting outbreaks and they are closing down. Which China being a big market that Hollywood usually goes for, that might make them rethink their U.S. release states. I mean, I guess worldwide can be later than than right. here, but it all kind of comes hand in hand. And so, will theaters be truly opening here like they think's going to happen? Uh, Wonder Woman was supposed to be coming out August fourteenth uh, or so. And that got moved to, like, the first week of October now. Um, Tenet got pushed back, too, which was... Tenet was supposed to be the first movie that came out that kind of tested were people willing to go back to the movie theater or not. I really want to see that movie because I have no effing clue what it's about. And <laughs> and that's what happens with all Nolan's films. And I'll have to watch it, like, ten times to be like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, I'm very excited for that movie. I loved his Batman, but I love his other movies so much more. Um, yeah, I'm excited for movies to theaters to reopen, but I'm also like, I love watching movies from my house. <laughs> There's so many movies that you can just get directly now that yeah. we're going to come out theaters. That's, that's what I don't see necessarily going back, except for some of these movies where... I feel like I'll have to go to the theaters to watch them so they're not spoiled. Like, The Matrix got moved then to next year, or not yeah. next year even, uh, April f- year 1st of 2022, which that is a ways off. Uh, Bill and Ted's uh, Face the Music, that's still coming out this year, but that got moved now to August 14th. Uh, Godzilla vs. Uh, Kong got moved to next year in May, and... There's still a lot of shuffling around of some of these, uh, I don't know, so these companies pretty much just needing to um, find secure new dates, other dates that were tentpole movies that would then, um, I don't know, would have 
then what they wanted to put out moved to then a different date, so then that date opens up for another smaller movie, and oh, the world it's in chaos, and I feel like this is like such a minor problem. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, for for these companies, it's a major problem. But in the scheme of things, I'm like, ah, so we got to wait a year longer for a movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anthony left us. I, and I I'm know. sad because because uh, we haven't even talked about PS5. And the I know. I was going to get into that, but I felt like I needed to wait for him. So we will have to yeah. talk about that next week. But... Uh, the specs look amazing. I just, I've gotten definitely big into games uh, being at home lately, but I know Anthony's always been the bigger gamer at heart. So yeah, there was this this game that I just <clears throat> when I was looking for stuff kind of to talk about today. There's this game I came across called Liberated. Have you heard of this? Uh uh-uh. uh Game. So it came out for the Switch. Uh, it says in June, which is right now. So whoever wrote this article is terrible, but, (laughs) um, and now it's coming to PC and it's, a it's, a panel jumping black and white style narrative that takes place basically in the panels of a comic book. So instead of like side scrolling or any, you know, or first person or anything like that, you're literally jumping from panel to panel of a comic book. And that's how the whole game is played. Hmm. Um, but in like a really kind of not disjointed sort of way. So you're in a panel and it's not like you have to like jump out of the panel and into another panel. It's like you're following the action in the comic book. Like you're reading the comic book, except you're playing what's happening in the story. Um, and they, they created it in a way that, uh, you can take your time. You, there's nothing making you go from one panel to the other. You can kind of just go at it your own pace and really take in the story and what's going on. Um, it looks super cool. It's very cyberpunky, which I love a good cyberpunk story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm going to have to check this out, I think. Um, so if you love comics, and who doesn't, and you love video games, who doesn't, then, you know, this seems like a perfect game. <laughs> well, I will check that out. Uh, do you have anything else uh, that you want to touch on today? Uh, no. All right. That was it. Well, then, I do have booze in a book, and Ooh. that is the... Joker 80th Anniversary Spectacular. Again, this is uh, one of those uh, many-paged, I think is 100, 100 pages in this one. So multiple yeah. different stories. And, I mean, I feel like I always put these in a spotlight every time that they come out because they're just great. And a lot of them are just small stories, nothing, you know, status quo changing or anything but it's interesting to have more uh you know whenever the dc books come on they're all themed like whether it's a christmas thing or a valentine's thing and and seeing them all like that so these all being 
Joker based. Uh, Joker is the man, and I'm looking forward to the three Jokers story that will hopefully maybe finally come out. But uh, I am pairing this with a beer that I just tried the other day, a Sweetwater 420. From uh, is it is it a pot beer? I mean, that's what they're going for, but I mean, it's not a real pot beer. It's uh, pretty much just a pale ale, but okay. and it's not made with, uh, as far as I knew, uh, my friends said, here, try this, and it was tasty as hell, and so I thought uh, that uh, it would be perfect for this one, especially since it's newer to me, and... Uh, I enjoyed it. What you're saying is, Joe, you think the Joker's sweet as hell. <laughs> and well, so is this beer. <laughs> well, I mean, Sweetwater Brewery is the brewer place. 420, uh, you know, that implies uh, other things, but it's not implying that at all. But I guess you could take some allusion to that in the Joker and I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm just saying they're both good. That's all I'm saying. That's what makes the pairing this week. Oh, so um, hopefully soon we can maybe social distance and safely while recording in the same room so that we can... Uh... Well, I mean, you came over to my house last week, so I don't know why we couldn't. <laughs> very true, very true. And I actually Anthony, so... Uh, maybe we'll get, been done. Yeah, maybe we'll get the gang back together uh, all in one place, but we definitely uh, plan on uh, not having as many uh, breaks as we have been because things are getting back to normal, and so slowly, so will we. So with that, stay thirsty for maybe normal. Yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah.